Morning, how are we doing? We're going to have some fun this morning, like we do every week. See how I just slid that dis- that little disclaimer in. God's good, eh? I just felt as we were worshiping. Who's got a pain right in their sternum and it hurts every time they breathe? Who's that person here? Anybody? There's a pain right in your chest when you do exercise. Be bold to put your hand up. When you breathe deeply, it hurts right right in the middle, right in the sternum. Anyone here? I just believe the Lord's going to heal you this morning. Anybody here that's got that condition? Come and see me at the end. I, I will pray for you. Um, I also believe that there's people who have got um, pain in their arches, in their feet. Pain around the soles of their feet, and when you walk, it's been an ongoing thing. Um, and also migraines. I just felt those three things this morning. If that's you with any of those other conditions, just raise your hand. I just want to pray for you quickly this morning. Yeah, thank you. Yep. Yeah, quite a lot of people. Let's just let's just reach our hand out to these people because these are some significant things, and and we know the Lord loves to come and heal and break the power of these things. So, Lord, we. Thank you for every hand that's raised to these conditions. And Lord, we just, we just speak healing in the name of Jesus. We speak healing to these, the, the issue with the arches in the feet and the migraines. We just thank you, Lord, that today is going to be the last day that the, this pain, these diseases, these symptoms are experienced. Lord, we thank you from this day moving forward. We thank you for people that are free of migraines, people that are free from issues with the feet and the soles and the pain in the chest. Lord, we just declare that. We speak to their bodies. We bless them in the name of Jesus. Amen. As Jared said, we're in a series talking about the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit. Who's been enjoying that? How many people feel they've actually got closer to the person of the Holy Spirit? Yeah? So good. Um, probably some, some time ago, I, start, I, I decided to do a study. I, I decided to investigate leadership. And I started thinking, who better to learn from than Jesus himself? How many here would believe that Jesus was the greatest leader that the world has ever seen? And so I decided that I would read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, with the agenda, with the specific purpose to look at every word that Jesus said, everything he did, and look at it from a leadership point of view. And so I started, and I was reading every verse, I was looking, I was looking for clues, I was looking for principles, I was looking for tips from the greatest leader that's ever lived. How many know that Leadership should be something that we're growing in, whether it's leading our families, our marriage, ministries, our workplaces, whatever area of influence God has put us in, we should all be growing in leadership. And so I was, I was, I was going through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, and I was studying what are these principles that cause Jesus to be a genius leader? And I put my note, I had my notepad with me and I was working through and I wasn't writing 
many things on the list. But what I started to find was that Jesus actually did and said a lot of things that I would never do or say. And I started reading through this and I, and I get to, I think it's John chapter 6 and we know the passage where Jesus, he preaches a really confronting sermon about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And of course we know in hindsight that that's talking about communion but the people then, they thought it was cannibalism. And he never explained the message. He allowed thousands of people to leave him right at the pinnacle of his ministry. And then he turned to his disciples and said, are you going to leave also? And so I started to realize that Jesus does and would do a lot of things that I would never do. And as I started to try and learn as much as I could from this incredible leader that the world has never seen or even compared to, my list of tips and principles wasn't very long until I found this. This is the secret to Jesus' leadership and how he was an absolute genius at leading people. How many know that over three and a half years, he took a group of dysfunctional people and they literally turned the world upside down? We are now still living in the very effects of what happened 2,000 years ago. And the reality is, is, is that gospel is actually advancing now. Some people think that the church, the gospel's in decline. Let me tell you this morning that the gospel, the kingdom of God, is advancing and it's advancing fast. But here I found the secret to Jesus' ministry, his leadership. And come back next week and I'll tell you what it is. Here it is. It's in John chapter 5, verse 19. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees the Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. This right here is the key to the leadership genius that Jesus was. It's simple. Jesus in his humanity is saying, I have no clue but I tap into someone who knows everything about leadership, who knows everything about team building, who knows everything about influence. It makes us feel better because oftentimes when it comes to whatever leadership, leading our families, leading our workplaces, leading ministries, leading the church, we have no clue. Who feels like they have no clue? Maybe you've done a course or read a book, but you soon realize that the more you learn, the more you realize that you have no clue what you're doing. I have absolutely no clue. And Jesus, in his humanity, actually said, I can do nothing. That word nothing actually means nothing. I've looked it up in the Greek. It means nothing. And maybe you're, you're sitting here and saying, hang on, Ben, you can't say that Jesus could do nothing. He's eternally God. Yes, he is eternally God, but we have to remember that he actually put aside his godly attributes. He actually took on the form as a man, and as a man in his humanity, he could do nothing. When I started this investigation into the life and the leadership of Jesus, 
I was thinking, I wonder what sort of leader Jesus was born with, these leadership attributes. What I've realized is that he was just like you and me. He had no clue as Jesus the man. In Isaiah 53 verse 2, it says, talking about Jesus, it says, He grew up before them like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. In the New American Standard, it says, He had no stately form or majesty nor appearance that we should take pleasure in him. The point is that Jesus wasn't one of these charismatic leaders that walked around in a suit and tie and a squirt of cologne and was saying all the buzzwords and had everyone following him. There was nothing visibly about Jesus as a man that people would go, I want to follow that, I'm attracted to that. It was actually, as we read here in in John chapter 5, verse 19, the reason why Jesus was a phenomenal leader was because he was tapped in to the Father who knows everything about leadership, who knows everything about people, who actually created everything, and he's the ultimate genius. Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what I hear the Father say. This was the foundation of Jesus' leadership. This was the foundation of his life. It was simple. It says, I'm just connected to the one that knows everything. And this is simple now. All I have to do is hear what he's saying and see what he's doing and obey. Breathe a sigh of relief. In my marriage, we do intentional things to grow our marriage, but the reality is I still can't understand women. (laughs) But guess what? This morning, I can tap into someone who not only understands women, but actually created women. I can tap into someone who knows my wife more than I do, even more than she knows herself. Whether it's a business issue, a relationship issue, a physical healing that you need in your body, the reality is, the good news this morning is that we don't have to rely on our own intellect, rely on our own reasoning, rely on our own abilities, and they're God-given abilities, and they're good, but we can actually tap into the one who is the ultimate genius, and that's God himself through the power of the Holy Spirit. Zechariah 4 verse 6, it says, Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. I believe that this, even though it was prophesied probably, what, 3,000 years ago? Maybe. We'll go with that. I believe this is the word of the Lord in this season right now. Is the Lord is saying, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. We've all been around long enough to know how church is run out of strategy, out of intellect, 
out of natural abilities, out of my ability to communicate well, out of my ability to speak well. But I believe the church is, it, it, the Lord is moving the church into a season. And of course, he's always been doing this, but I think the emphasis is now where we're not going to no longer lean on that, but where he's wanting to take the church is going to be primarily through the Spirit of God. If this is the way forward, it means that we have to get familiar with the person of the Holy Spirit. It means, just like Jesus modeled, that we actually have to get alone with God. We actually need to be familiar with the language of the Holy Spirit. It says in in Luke it said that Jesus often retreated to lonely places and prayed. The point is that Jesus adopted a lifestyle of being alone with the Father. He learned the language of the Holy Spirit. How many know that the Holy Spirit's primary language is not English? That's a crazy thought, isn't it? Or any other language that you might have. Or Greek or Hebrew. The Holy Spirit speaks in lots of different ways. And oftentimes, sometimes in our intellectual thinking, definitely my intellectual thinking, I'm thinking, well, you know, Lord, you've got to come and you've got to speak to me and, and communicate the way I'm communicating to you. And I put demands on the Holy Spirit. If you want me to do this, then you can speak to me in this way. And oftentimes we're sitting there for this audible voice to come from heaven before we actually obey the very thing that God has asked us to do. How many know that we're not going to hold God hostage? We're not going to be, he's not going to be manipulated by our reasoning, our thoughts, or whatever it is. I want to take us quickly through several ways, a list of ways that the Holy Spirit actually speaks to us. These are all seen in the Bible, and this is no no means an exhaustive list, but it's just a list of ways that the Lord himself, the Holy Spirit, actually speaks to us. The first one is visions. We're probably familiar with that, where literally the Lord gives us a picture in our mind. It could be for someone else, it could be an encouragement for ourselves. but we see this in the New Testament, where where many people had visions of things that were coming or things that were about to take place. A very powerful way how the Holy Spirit actually speaks to us. Another one is dreams. Hopefully you don't have any of them in the next hour. But dreams is another way that the Holy Spirit speaks to us. And we see in... I was reading the other week again at Jesus' birth how... Joseph received several dreams after Jesus was born. I think one of the dreams was to actually warn him about Herod who was going to wipe out the children. And as I read this, I'm thinking, once again, God does things that I would never do. I'm thinking, if I'm God and I have this plan of redemption for the planet, and I've put my son down to be born as a baby, I'm going to go myself and tell Joseph to get out of there. This is one thing we can't stuff up. 
And yet he gives Joseph a dream. He gives him something. When Joseph wakes up, he has a choice. He can either believe it's God or he can reject it's God. Incredible. Anyway, that's just a side point. But dreams. It's incredible. But dreams. Dreams are a way that the Lord often speaks to me. I wake up with a, in a dream, I have a picture or a verse or something's happening in my life. And for a few years now, I write down every God dream that I have. And actually, even the ones I'm not sure, I still write them down. And I encourage you, if you want the Lord to, conti- to speak to you more in your dreams, write them down. Because what it's doing is it's actually valuing the voice of God. It's actually valuing the Holy Spirit speaking to you in your dreams. About two and a half years ago, I was writing my dreams down and I had a dream, four dreams and they were about a month apart. And it wasn't until I went and reviewed them that I realized that these dreams were all about the same issue. And that was with me dealing with offense. And the last dream was like the antidote of how I was to overcome this. It was incredible. But if I never would have written these dreams down, I never would have seen what the Lord was saying to me in that season. So I encourage you to write your dreams down. Write your visions down. Write things that the Holy Spirit is saying to you. Another way that the Holy Spirit speaks to us is the still small voice. It could be a passing thought. It could be a sudden impression or it could be an internal sense. In Romans chapter 8, verse 16, it says, the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit. The point is that sometimes, maybe you've had the experience where you come up with a genius thought, and you know that there's no way you could have thought about that yourself. That's the Holy Spirit. Maybe there's an impression to ring someone. Maybe there's this, this thought that's just, or this person's name that's just come out of the blue. That's the Holy Spirit that's actually impressioning things upon your heart. And like most of the way God speaks to us, the Holy Spirit speaks to us, we can either lean into it or we can reject it. Especially with dreams. We can just blame it on the pizza we had the night before. Impressions. That still small voice, it could be peace. It's, it's the Holy Spirit speaking to us. Another way is angels. We see all through Scripture, all through the New Testament, that angels were, were, were given to give clear instructions to the believers. Clear instructions about what was happening, what to do. We see in Scripture that angels were a way that the Holy Spirit conveyed messages to his people. We see in Acts chapter 10, 10 where Peter was actually in a trance. A trance is a bit like a vision, except you're not in control of your body. We see there in Acts chapter 10 where Peter was caught up in a trance and God gave him revelation on an issue. Another way is through creation. Creation in... I'll just read this verse. In Romans chapter 1 verse 10, uh, verse 20... It says, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and his divine nature has been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Creation, just looking out about the majesty and the beauty and the creation of God is a way that the Holy Spirit speaks to us. 
You see, his primary language is not English. And we have to understand that we actually start to learn and develop the language of the Holy Spirit. Scripture, the Word of God, the Bible, is a crucial, a, a fundamental way that the Holy Spirit speaks to us. I love when we take this written Word, which is the Logos, and the Spirit brings life on and it becomes the Rhema. I've had many times when I've read through passages of Scripture and it's literally like they've become alive. I remember probably five years ago, I read John 15. I read it. I just could not move from it. I kept coming back to it. It was like it was highlighted in the pages. I kept reading about it with an intellect thinking, what is so significant about the vine and the branches? I didn't know, but something in here just keep being drawn back to it. For years, it's become a life passage for me. For years, I've been in John 15. It's incredible. But the Spirit of God will actually bring life upon passages. Someone who I really admire, they say, if you can't hear the Holy Spirit speaking to you, read until He speaks. Read the Word of God until He brings life on a passage of Scripture. Get alone with God and just read. Maybe... Maybe you're in a season, a really difficult season. I would encourage you to get alone with God and just read. Read until you can grab hold of something, a promise from God that you can hold on to for the season of your life. Scripture is amazing. Circumstances is another way that the Holy Spirit actually speaks to us. Whoever would have thought? Circumstances. Revelation 3 verse 8 talks about the fact that God opens and shuts doors. And so what it means is that as we surrender our life to to the Holy Spirit, we're literally walking along in life and the Holy Spirit is guiding us by opening and shutting doors. How many have ever experienced when you've got opportunities and all of a sudden you think, yep, I'm going to get this opportunity and all of a sudden something suddenly closes? and you don't understand a reason why, that could be the Holy Spirit guiding you in another direction. Or maybe you've never thought that anything was possible, and all of a sudden, out of the blue, this door of opportunity opens, and you just lean into it. You think, I think this is the Lord. I think this is Holy Spirit leading me, and we go there, and and we move that way. He leads us through circumstances. Revelation 3, verse 8. These are all things that we could unpack for our sermon each, but I just want to go through them fast today and just increase our awareness to the fact that the Holy Spirit speaks in various ways. And for us to actually lean in to what the Holy Spirit is doing. Sometimes it means, sometimes it means we have to disconnect some of this, our brain, our intellect, our thinking. Because often the way that the Lord operates, the Holy Spirit operates, I would never think of. The last one I want to talk about this morning is spiritual happenings. These spiritual things that just take place in our life. We see this in the Old Testament with Aaron's rod that actually was dead and it became alive. This was a spiritual significant happening where this rod of Aaron's that was a a withered up stick actually budded, actually became alive. And it was, it was actually symbolizing the anointing for him to be one of the leaders of Israel. Spiritual happenings. It's incredible. 
These are some of the ways that the Holy Spirit speaks to us. Like I said, maybe it's a still small voice. Maybe it's an impression you get. Maybe in the car as you pull up outside of business, you just get an impression. You feel compassion. You, you, you get a sense about what God is doing. There are all ways that we are learning to hear his voice. And, and like Jesus said, seeing what the Father's doing and hearing what the Father's saying. In all these things, there's actually pitfalls that we can fall into when we embark on a journey of hearing the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to talk about them today, but one thing I would say is as we journey, as we, we develop in hearing His voice, I encourage you to do that in community. The danger is for us to take this, to run out of this place this morning and say, hey, we're going to hear the voice of God and, and God's going to speak to us powerfully and do it in isolation. It's healthy that we do it in community. It's healthy that we do it in family. And so in small groups, it's a great opportunity to say, hey, Michael, I've, I feel that the Lord is saying this to you. And then ask for feedback. Or in the sense of a, a healthy family, you can do this at home in your families. Ask and, and, and talk about what God has been doing. What the Holy Spirit is leading you into is such a healthy place to learn to hear His voice. Maybe you're here and you're like, hey Ben, I'm just, I'm just like the straightforward guy. I just like him audibly to talk to me. I heard a story of a, an old gentleman who would sit on a rocking chair and he would rock back and forth and he had a cat and his cat would sit next to him and he would pat the cat every time he rocked forward he would stroke the cat and the only thing was that the cat was facing the same way that he was and so every time he was stroking the cat he was patting the cat from the tail towards the head and is there any people here that know anything about cats yeah so as you can imagine, it's not a great picture for the cat. You can understand that every time he rocks forward on his rocking chair, he's, he's patting the cat against, against the grain. And so the cat's all there with its, all its hackles up and all the fur. And not, not a very comfortable thing. And this person walks into the guy and says, what are you doing? You can't pat the cat like this. He said, well, the cat's going to have to turn around. The point is that however we, feel, however we feel that the Holy Spirit of the Lord should be communicating with us is He's God and we're the ones that have to make the adjustment. You might be naturally like me and go, hey, I'm just, a, I'm just like a, a thinking person. I, I just like logic and I like reason. So I need really clear things from God. And He's gracious. He will meet us where we're at. Of course He will. But sometimes it means that we have to adjust. Sometimes it means that we have to actually lean in to something that's maybe unusual to us and ask the question, could this be the Holy Spirit? Could this be the Holy Spirit? I want to share something that's been happening to me probably only in the last month. There's some unusual things that have been happening. And I'll, this has happened probably 
about five times in the last month, but I want to share two stories in particular. The first time this happened was about, like I said, a month ago, and I pulled into the BP uh, fuel station to fuel up. And so I'm sitting there filling my car full of fuel, and a lady runs over to me and says, you said you would help me, can you help me? And I turned around and thought she was talking to somebody else, and she said, you said you would help me, can you help me? And I thought she must have been talking to someone else and she got closer and she stood right next to me and she looked at me and said, you said you could help me, can you help me? And I thought, this is weird. (laughs) Did I say something? No. I was minding my own business, filling up my car. And she probably, and yeah, anyway. And so... Straight away, I said, to the, I, I said I was just, as she was standing there, I said to the Lord, I'm going to lean into this. So I said, yes, I can help you. She said, come over here. And she took me over to her car, which was quite a way away, right over the other side of the Bowser. And she said, I've got a Toyota Land Cruiser. It's a, it's a, it's a diesel car. I've just filled up the tank with petrol. She said... She said, can you help me? She said, you said you'd help me. I said, okay, yeah, I can help you. She said, I'm I'm thinking just to drive it to my mechanics. I said, don't, don't drive it, don't drive it. She said, what about to that parking lot? I said, don't turn the key. She said, oh, great. So I stood with her. I told her about the dangers of driving a diesel car with petrol in it. And I, I, I helped her to get onto a mobile mechanic who would come and drain the tank. And as I was standing there, I said to her, so why did you come over to me? And she said, you said you could help me. Anyway, so I leaned into this and I began, as she was there, she was stressed. She was really stressed and that's why she made the mistake. But the point is, as we were waiting for the mobile mechanic to come, I got to share with her about the peace of God. I got to share with her the gospel. Incredible. About two weeks ago, I was standing at Bunnings at the trade line. And there was probably a heap of people in front of us. And I was the last one in the, in the line. And this guy was in front of me. And as we were probably standing there for 10 minutes. It was a long time. It was frustrating. And as we got closer to the counter, he turns around to me and, and, and starts answering a question that I never asked. He turns around to me and says, well, I've just bought this stuff so I can build a shelf because my, my, my wife keeps putting everything on the counter. I, I, I turned around and there's no one standing behind me. I wasn't on the phone. And I said, okay. And he goes, see, and I'm, I'm going to paint it this color and this and this. This will really help her out and this will have three shelves. And I said, okay. And straight away, I was about to dismiss it and go, this guy's hearing voices. But I decided to lean into it. And I asked the Holy Spirit, what are you doing in this situation? What are you doing in this place? And I said, so what are you building this for? And he said, oh, I'm, I'm on two weeks holiday. Or not holiday, he said, I'm on two weeks leave because I've hurt my back. Straight up, I thought, oh, now I know why you're asking me questions. And I got to pray for his back in the middle of Bunnings. Got to share the gospel in like 30 seconds. The guy left. And I've had this happen probably about five times where people will come up to me and answer a question that I've never asked. 
See, it's interest, it's, it's important that we actually lean into what the Holy Spirit is doing in this season in our life. I've got no words to actually explain what has gone on. But all I know is that every time someone does, the Holy Spirit is actually wanting to invade part of their lives. He's actually desperately wanting to flow. He's actually desperately wanting to do something in somebody's life to the fact where he's actually arranging these events. This is what Jesus modeled for us. Was a life that was simple. He simply just saw what the Father was doing and did it. And he heard what the Father was saying and, and said it. This is the simplicity of following Jesus. And I encourage you this morning to learn the language of the Holy Spirit. Go on an adventure. Go on a, a journey with the Holy Spirit. Where He's saying things, where, where He's doing things in your life, where you and Him are just going on an amazing adventure. I just want you to close your eyes for a moment. Just get nice and comfortable. How many know that the Holy Spirit is always wanting to speak to us. His presence is always here. So just as your eyes are closed, I do this nearly every day. It's nothing special about me. It's just that it's one of the things I do when I come before the Lord. Just as we close our eyes, I just want you to just picture yourself just climbing up onto the Father's lap. Just picture yourself climbing up holding him tight and leaving all the issues of life where they are. Maybe this morning you've come in with worry, you've come in with fear, anxiety, stress. I just want you to leave them as you picture this, just leave them where they are and just climb up onto the lap of Jesus. I don't want you to pray anything to God. 
just as you're sitting on his lap, I just want you to turn your affection towards him. Because I know his presence is here. And as we're all sitting on our Father's lap, of our Heavenly Father's lap, we'll just experience His love, His tenderness, His authority. And this is what He declares over you this morning. This is found in John. It says, I love each of you with the same love that the Father loves me. Can we even comprehend that this morning? The creator of the universe whispers in your ear this morning, I love you personally with the same love that the Father loves Jesus. This is incredible. You must continually let my love nourish your hearts. If you keep my commandments, you will live in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands. For I continually live nourished and empowered by his love. My purpose for telling you these things is so that the joy that I experience will fill your hearts with overflowing gladness. So this is my command, love each other deeply as much as I have loved you. For the greatest love of all is the love that sacrifices all. And this great love is demonstrated when a person sacrifices his life for his friends. You show that you are my intimate friends when you obey all that I command you. I've never called you servants because a master doesn't confide in his servants. The servants don't always understand what the master is doing. But I call you my most intimate friends. For I reveal to you everything that I've heard from my father. You didn't choose me, but I chose you. We're just going to stay in this place of presence just stay in this place on the Father's lap this morning for a few more moments. And just as you stay there and just turn your affection to Him, I believe that the Holy Spirit would want to speak to us this morning. Maybe it's a vision. Maybe it's a prophetic word. Maybe it's a scripture. Maybe it's an encounter. Or maybe it's that still small voice. That peace that would come as we sit in our daddy's lap. As we sit in his lap and as we look over and 
look at the circumstances and the issues of life that we've left behind, they no longer seem as big. 